Oh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Aaron, and I am joined with my compatriot Stavros. Hello. It seems as though we have run into a bit of a conundrum. For you see, mm. this pending episode we had recorded several weeks ago. And at the time, it was very timely and interesting. Mm. But since then, time has marched on. And it seems as though these fine audio clips are no longer nearly as accurate as we once proclaimed. We hope that you can forgive us for this oversight. And I am hoping that you can suspend your disbelief long enough to enjoy these simple clips. <laughs> The days grow longer and the months march by, yet still no season three. Well, we here at Lower Dorks, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast, refuse to give up. I am Aaron, and with me as always is Stavros, and on our screens tonight is... Nothing. Um, there, there's nothing on our, our screens. There's there's nope. no season three. So, nope. what, what are we doing here, Stavros? What, what What's the game? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. So yeah, like you said, there's just been a whole lot of nothing about Season 3. A couple very small teases here and there. But you know what? We're going to do an episode anyway. We're going to be doing a rewatch of Seasons 1 and 2 over the next couple episodes with a little bit of assistance. We have each procured a copy of the official Star Trek Cocktails book, I guess you could say. And we are going to do a fun little cocktail-fueled rewatch of Seasons 1 and 2. Uh, we're going to be going through each of the episodes, and for each one, we're going to select a cocktail, and after we watch it, uh, we're going to tell you our knee-jerk reactions, not only to the cocktail, but to the episode, because, you know, it's been a while. We haven't done, we haven't really rewatched these episodes in a while. I think it's going to be a fun time. Feel free to follow along with us through our questionably gold journey through Lower Decks that exists. Indeed, and as always, if you are interested in any of the cocktails we're drinking tonight, you can pick up a copy of the book for yourself, or you can give Stavros a call at 555-679-3241, and he'll walk you right through the methods of operation in making yourself a fine cocktail. I'll definitely try. Uh, but first up, we're going to Season 1, Episode 1, Second Contact. To do that, we are going to be drinking... A drink called the Lime Directive. It is on page 94. Looking forward to talking about it in just a second. Indeed. So for those of you not yet in possession of a book, the Lime Directive is a mixed drink. It includes, obviously, lime juice and gin as its base, and includes a lime cordial. Lime cordial being a mixed syrup that's slightly sweeter and more bitter than lime juice itself. I believe that Stavros went the plebeian route and ordered some online, whereas I made my I own. And we'll be wow. seeing how this drink fares. So, yeah, that was a bit limey. A little limey, you know, and I was telling you earlier. The, like, the drink, not the episode. The drink, just around so the same page <laughs> Obviously. Here. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the drink was definitely limey at first, but to be honest, as I kept going, it it kind of softened and I could just it was it, it tasted very sweet, which I'm not opposed to, so yeah. I'm kind of giving this this drink the thumbs up. It's definitely a sipping drink, but you know, I think if I'm going to go with something that's very limey, I'm probably going to stick with my usual rum and lime. 
Fair yeah, enough. This is definitely Fair not going to get the A plus certification from my palate. <laughs> well, so what do you think of the episode? So obviously, the elephant in the room here, the fast talking. Yes, you're convinced that this is a solely first episode thing. Yes, I think at the most that it comes back in episode two a little bit, but I think they definitely with Mariner, she talks very very fast, especially in the opening scene, and it's to be honest, very distracting. I, I hope it goes away quickly. Yeah, I also noticed, too, that at the end, obviously they're playing up the whole Mariners, the experienced lower decker. But at the end, she's just gone the stream of consciousness talking about all these things. And Boimler's just yeah. clueless. But, like, that's a complete right. role reversal from what we see later, where Boimler's just way too informed on everything. Yeah, maybe they hadn't quite locked that down yeah, for the, I... the Mariner-Boimler dynamic. Yeah, I feel like they definitely um, could be it. definitely hadn't finalized the character roles yet. Definitely not. But, you know, interesting thing about this episode, they work in the whole zombie plot. And I remember reading somewhere that they, you know, they figured, like, the zombie plot is, like, more relatable. And, and that's why they went with it for the first episode. But, um, you know, the shipwide crisis, and it's just, like, another day in the, in the life, you know, of people eating human flesh, you know. <laughs> they did a fantastic job of, like, nailing down. Because that's a theme throughout the series, is crazy shit goes yeah. down. And everyone in the lower decks is like, hey, it's Tuesday. What do you expect? <laughs> that's right. Also, your favorite Cetacean Ops gets his first mention. I thought that was uh, Yeah, fun. no, I guess that's just a running thing that they talk about. Um, and, of course, the, the fabulous Ops, 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 Ops. There's a lot of Ops here. Ops. Seen. There's a lot of Ops. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, I yeah. do want to comment on something. This goes back to yeah. previously when we had talked about Star Trek. To Paul from Enterprise, the only character ever to have a problem and go see the doctor about it right away. As yes. we see, Ransom falls into the trope of Starfleet officers <laughs> who refuse to see a doctor. You figure there'd be a rule about that, right? Yeah. Like, if you have the bug bite, go go to the doctor before you, right when you come back. Yeah, you think there would be some sort of, like, medical scan that's, like, mandatory to get back. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, if Ta'ana was my doctor, I would probably avoid going to see her as well. Yeah. I feel like the, there's that episode later where people don't come in for their physicals. I, I kind of get it. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. Hey, we also see this the uh, genesis of Tenderford in this episode. I still, I think it's a friendship and, and not a romance. <laughs> I think that's what they're kind of gunning for, but I could see it if they went with the uh, romance angle. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I also noticed one other thing interesting watching this episode and I don't know if I'm wrong. I suppose we'll find out as we continue to watch. But the animation, not like the art style or anything, but the actual animation style seems to be like slightly different in this one. Yes. There's some action scenes, especially, where it's it's it feels a little bit different than later episodes. Yeah, and like some of it is just it's less refined. But I also feel like the style of it is much more cartoony. Mm. compared to like later episodes where it's more toned down like they do the facial expressions where the face contorts into very unnatural proportions um and mm. then there's like a flow to the animation that just isn't isn't there in later episodes where it's much more rubbery i think i could be wrong though interesting the same company i think yeah so. well i mean and that's possible Weird. it's it's possibly a design decision and it's possible that they're just that style of the series evolved over time yep. 
Uh, one other thing I do want to mention is I forced us to uh, do a frame by frame on the Boimler getting suckled by the spider monster, and we saw additional Starfleet deltas on Boimler's underwear. Deltas so everywhere, just... man. Deltas <laughs> everywhere. I blame Discovery. Um, I just. I mean, do you kind of want underwear with the delta on it now after watching that? I mean, or... I know you do, but me not so much. <laughs> I do want to comment, though. Fair enough. It's amazing that we have gone throughout the course of Star Trek's life from the Delta being the insignia of the Enterprise to Deltas being on people's underwear. <laughs> it has been quite a journey, hasn't it? If that's what you call it. Well, anything else you want to say about about episode one before we move on? No. I think it's time we uh, moved on. And are we continuing with this drink or are we uh, trying something new? For season one, episode two, Envoys, we are going to be drinking Klingon Bird of Prey on page 113. Okay, what did you think of Envoys? Well, so, what did you think of the drink first? We we're supposed to talk about that first. Oh, honestly. right, yes, we're drinking the uh, Bird of Prey. The Bird of Prey. <laughs> yes. Um, so, actually, it's pretty good. Like, the green chartreuse is very expensive. And I was very disappointed yes. in the flavor by itself. I don't know how to describe the flavor, but if I had to describe a flavor, I think I would describe it as corduroy. It just it okay. has a very like rough, uneven flavor. I, I'm not a big fan, but it works really well in this drink. Right. It's a bit sweet, a bit limey, but it's got a decent flavor to it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a lot of the same ingredients as the last drink, except for the chartreuse, which... Full disclosure, I did not actually pick up, so I, I did everything except the chartreuse. Um, a little bit stronger, I, th- I thought it was, but overall, decent. It's it, it's not... A, I felt like it was not as sweet, to be honest, but, I mean, we're drinking cocktails here, so what do you really expect? Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. But let's talk about this episode. Yeah. Let's um let's chat about this. Um, first of all, I mean, we talked about this. The Mariner dialogue is slowed down, thank God, from the first episode. Do you agree that it was a a, a function of the first episode that Mariner was just kind of you know, I'm not speed sure. talking her way through all her dialogue because she definitely has much snap. She definitely has snappy dialogue still, but it's a lot less right. rushed, right? So I'm thinking, I'm thinking right. it's definitely a product of like the the characters being feeled out more by their voice actors um because like everybody has like transitioned a little bit and the other thing i noticed is the animation i had talked about in last episode it's definitely much more toned down and i hate to say it but it's like the best way i could describe it is the animation is a little bit stiffer right but that's Mm. not a bad thing because the i think the other the last episode it was a little too rubbery, and I think the stiffness... It's still very animated, still very cartoony, but it's its way less, you know, Mickey Mouse. Yeah. I, it definitely, the quality feels better. I'm not sure what exactly it is. It could be what you're describing, but it definitely feels a lot more solid to me. Yeah, sure. overall, overall great. And I gotta mention, <laughs> the line returns. Oh, my bones! <laughs> my bones. My bones. Is that in like every episode and we just never know? I don't know. I think we're going to find out here. We're going to be oh on the lookout God. for my bones. Yeah, my bones. <laughs> oh Speaking of jokes, though, I, I seriously think the Rutherford switching between jobs is like one of the best 
jokes of the entire show. It's done so it's well. <laughs> yeah. Um, the pre-K is being vented into space. <laughs> Let's try it in so a larger good. ship with more children. She's like, oh. Why is Ransom so... Uh, Why are you so, doing so this, Ransom? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yep. so good. Although and we and we also see the uh, the beginning of the warp me. Yeah, yeah, where she's uh, saying she needs a a good line and <laughs> trying some. Everyone, Captain needs a good line. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> oh man, so definitely like I, you know you told me not to say anything, but <laughs> I didn't really like like I watching the first episode. I'm all like, man, how did this ever make it to series? But this one. <laughs> definitely much more solid yeah i totally agree yeah really really great episode really looking forward to seeing what things continue what trends continue into the next one (laughs) and they are definitely leaning more into the whole uh boimler knows things but mariner has experienced things yeah this episode yeah i was gonna say this is like the quintessential like insufferable whiny uh whiny boimler before yes. he's a badass and totally. the insufferable i've done it all mariner yeah i've said this before they're they're two insufferable people who are somehow making themselves better <laughs> that's true and that's the kind of journey we want it we want to see in this show anyway right well i, I mean, mean maybe that's the journey you want to see i just don't want to see <laughs> insufferable people at all i get enough of those in the real world yeah so yeah fantastic episode i love it well, next episode, we're going to move on to Temporal Edict, and the drink we're going to use with this one is called Ice Planet, and it's yes. on page 43 of the Star Trek Cocktails book. So Sticking with the lime juice, but now we're breaking out a little uh, white rum and blue Sirocco. Yeah, exciting. Sirocco? Sirocco? I think it's Sirocco. I don't know. One of those. Something like that. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, right, let's roll this it. thing. Well, let's talk about Temporal Edict. Yes. Yeah. How well? Actually, you know what? We have to talk about Ice Planet first. What yeah, do you think of I, the new beverage? You know, it has a much softer flavor. It doesn't really have any bite, um, but overall, it was it was pretty good. I wound up watering mine down a little more because it was a little too sweet for me. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't get over the color. I don't know if it's just because we, we've had so many drinks so far, but the uh, the blue caracal really gave it the ice planet feel and it wasn't hitting me over the head with flavor either so yes i don't really mind sweetness in general but uh it was nice that it was you know kind of soft and and blue i can't get over the blue yeah i've heard you're a fan of the blues who isn't really it was written on the bathroom wall anyways (laughs) makes sense let's talk about this episode (laughs) first of all first off the why is ransom such a goddamn maniac that guy, that man cannot Maniac? be trusted with anything. Oh, I love Ransom, man. This is the first <laughs> first real Ransom episode. You know what, though? What I, I noticed more yeah. now than ever is Ransom is really inconsistent in this episode. In the mm. beginning, he's like a domineering douche. But midway through, he's like true blue Starfleet. And then in the end, he's just a wise cracking first officer. Cracking, cracking, <laughs> wise cracking. Cracking wise. Cracking. He cracks wise. Yeah. Yes. He cracks wise. <laughs> I don't know, man. He, at least he doesn't use the sword when he can just use his fist. That's the only redeeming factor for Ransom in this episode. I've said this a million times. This is why I love Ransom in this episode. Yeah. Is Mariner <laughs> wanted to go fight, and she was going to use the sword and just kill right. Big Dum Dum. And Mar- right. Mariner. And Ransom is all like, nah, man. 
I'm gonna go out there and make peace with these guys. And he does it. That's true. That's true. You can't argue with that. Yeah. Although looking at p- things on paper, like Mariner obviously has more experience in doing things like this. But that doesn't matter for some reason. Well, it doesn't matter because she has more experience, but that doesn't mean she has good solutions. Like her whole solution was just to, you know, yeah. fight her way out. Whereas, you know, Ransom walked yeah. in and managed to tame the beast, as it were. That's a good point. I guess I can't defend against that one. <laughs> Maybe Ransom isn't a maniac. And then, of course, he has her arrested <laughs> for not rolling down her sleeves. Yeah, yeah. What is going on with that? Is that the is that the real solution to uh, uniform I, I protocol think, breaking? Yes, I mean. it is. You know what? You you joke, <laughs> but I have worked for places where we have said to send people home because of the ridiculous things they wore to work. Sometimes professionalism <laughs> is important. Yeah, that's true. Although, but seriously, like sending her to the brig yeah, for that for to the brig. Although I think the brig was more for insubordination than the uh, sleeves the coach, despite what he said. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah. uh, you know, something else I wanted to bring up, though, is uh, this episode is the start of the phasers act as mops-like trope that Lower Decks has going on. Because they, they start clearing the graffiti with the phasers. <laughs> Which happens later, too, I think. I feel like we see this again. The other thing I noticed, though, too, like, have we seen this in other series, though? I feel like we have, where they've used, like, a wide-beam phaser to clean something up. Have they? I can't recall. I, I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like if I wasn't this drunk and we had done a little bit of research in advance, <laughs> I might be able to speak to it. You know what? That's not what this episode is about. This episode is about our knee-jerk reactions. So, you know what? Yes. It's going to be fine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> indeed. Oh, man, what else did we want to talk about? Oh, you had mentioned a uh, cameo. Is this the first appearance of Jet? Yes, I think so. So when we were watching this, I we did some freeze frame on when the Cerritos crew starts pushing the crystal worshippers off the ship. And there's a shot in engineering where you can see Jet punching some people out. So Indeed. I think it really is the, the introduction of Jet. Uh, we should have checked first his rank pips. We'll have to go back and do some freeze frames. See if he's see been that, eating uh, some street corn. But yeah, and I think I also <laughs> saw right. uh, Ensign Flesher, who shows up again in Terminal Provocations. Yes, I saw him in the in, I think the last episode as well. So he's been in the background yeah. for a while too. I love how they, I love like, we've mentioned it before. I love how they use these guys that start out as background characters as, uh, yeah. as you know. Roles later. It's, so it's nice. interesting that Voyager did a similar thing where they would introduce characters as like bit characters who you think are yeah. just you know. They're they're just fillers, right? They're uh, uh, what do you call them? Extras. You think Background they're just extras, right? Extras, yeah. And right. it turns out they're they're not. They uh, actually build up to a character arc before they get killed off. That's right. So now the <laughs> question kill becomes: off, I mean, that's When is Jet going to get killed off? <laughs> Only a matter of time, I assume. Only a matter of time. <laughs> But yeah, continuing on, though, with the trends, I definitely noticed they have slowed down their speech patterns a lot. It's very yeah. noticeable. It has really helped. Yeah. yeah. It helps the show a lot, to be honest. Yep. I think from here on out, it's pretty consistent, too. So, Although I will say, Captain Freeman, terrible, terrible. Captain Freeman, god-awful. <laughs> yeah, Boimler says she's a good captain, but I mean, I, let's I'm be questioning Boimler's judgment. First, that whole, you know, <laughs> a little bit. Boimler effect thing. 
and now praising terrible captains. Hey, you got to do what you got to do to get ahead and get that promotion, right? Whoever's boots you want to lick, you do it. I'll be over here doing my thing. (laughs) Okay, what are we doing next here? Let's do, uh, we're moving on to season one, episode four, Moist Vessel. And the drink we are drinking is called Mind Meld. Um, it is on page uh, yes. 53 of Star Trek Cocktails. Your, your Very exciting. cherry fun time drink. I know. I can't wait to try a drink with cherry liqueur. Yeah, yeah. let's uh, give this thing a go. And uh, let's roll that beautiful... Wait. No, bean footage is something else. <laughs> We're watching Lower Decks. <laughs> Next episode, Moist Vessel. All right, what do you think of the drink... The Vulcan Mind Meld. It is definitely the uh, smoothest of what we have drinking so far. Drinking? Drunk? Drinked? Drinking? <laughs> drank? It is drank. definitely the drank. smoothest drink. Pretty sure it's drink. Oh, yeah, it is the smoothest, dr- smoothest drink we have had so far. <laughs> <laughs> you know, quality ingredients. Definitely everything works really well together. The champagne brings yeah. a little bit of fizz. The cherry is a little <clears throat> sweet. We've been doing a lot of sweet today, though. But the flavor yeah, is fantastic. Sweet. And I went with hibiscus syrup, and oh man, it just it adds something magical to the drink. What did uh, what did yeah. you mix in? I, I got the, I think, Eldenflower syrup on mine. But seriously, the mix of the, it's the cherry sweetness with the little hint of flour and the champagne fizziness is, yeah. gives it something a little extra. I was kind of surprised. This is easily the top drink we've had tonight so far. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean... I probably won't remember this come tomorrow, but yeah. <laughs> well, we'll you remember tomorrow. We'll remember Lordex this episode so far. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> the Moist Vessel, let's talk about that. You know, I'm getting hung up on this, but why are phasers being used to clean everything? There's this segment where Mariner has to use the phaser to clean carbon off the slightly harder carbon. Yeah. And that is just a thing that Lower Decks does is that every the phasers are just used to clean. Like do they not have vacuum cleaners or I, like mops I, or what? Well, you know, they've got leaf blowers, so I mean, I would assume That's they right. have mops. <laughs> what the hell? I feel yeah, like this is They show leaf be, blowers in this episode. Yeah, this has got to be a reference to something. This has to have come up in Trek previously. <laughs> the leaf blowers or the phasers to clean? The phasers to clean. Of course, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Pay attention, man. Yeah, I'm trying my best. But you know, I, it's got to shown up before. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, this is a reference to Series Y, Episode 29, <laughs> Season 3, where Steve Buscemi <laughs> used a phaser to wipe away graffiti or some bullshit like that. Yes, it's possible. Could be. <laughs> it's definitely showing up more here than every any other series, though. So I can't get over it at this point. I'm going to call it out every single time it happens from now on. <gasps> oh my god, speaking of calling things out every time we see it, I don't recall us hearing what? Ow My Bones. Dad, there's no bones this episode. Uh, well, that makes there me was, sad. There was opportunity, too. I oh, feel like there was. Oh, plenty of opportunity. You kidding me? Yeah. Only two episodes in a row we got, Oh My Bones. Oh My Bones. <laughs> Although we did see the uh, the start of in this uh, episode is the Vul- uh, sarcastic Vulcan salute. Yeah, the uh, thing you love, but I'm not so enamored yeah. with. <laughs> you know, I'm not as into it when Mariner does it, but when Boimler does it when he's going to the turbo left is fucking awesome. There's just no getting around that. I will admit, Mariner's response is pretty good. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, yeah, that is. It's, super, it's, super it's cool. not cool when you do it. <laughs> 
<laughs> ah, yes, it is. <laughs> but yeah, another oh. uh, A plus episode. But yeah, this continues the trend with like the captain being a terrible captain. Yeah, <sighs> at completely. least at least Ransom is still bringing his A game. That's true. And you know the plot, the danger doesn't happen until uh, the other captain uh, of the Merced f's things up too so maybe it's like a common thing of these like subpar starfleet ships where just the captains are terrible and make terrible decisions they're they're uh, victims of the uh uh peter principle promotion to incompetence they're oh yeah probably great completely. first officers but they just let their let um the captain said let the pride get the best of them indeed yeah we, he, we, he was trying to uh trying to make himself seem better than he was that's right you gotta think, we were talking about this while the episode was playing. Like, people died because of this, right? Like, there's oh, yeah, no dude. way that... He is definitely getting courts-martialed. I mean, it's happening. <laughs> I mean, there's no way he doesn't walk away from this episode without a prison sentence. <laughs> Completely. Wait. This episode contains my favorite joke, which is... Continues to be my favorite joke of the whole show, which is the censors. Censors. <laughs> Once you hear it, you can't unhear it. <laughs> now every time we rewatch a different show or you know Stranger World which is airing right now is on I have to I have to pay attention is he saying censors or censors you can't unhear it <laughs> seriously it's it's it completely impacted my enjoyment of of all sci-fi at this point I will say this it is way less egregious in the series as a whole than the way the admiral says it in this episode. <laughs> yeah, he's obviously yeah. he's obviously playing it up for a laugh. Right? Yeah, like for yeah. the joke. Yes. <laughs> Everyone knows that I mispronounce things. <laughs> That's so funny. Are you making fun of me? <laughs> oh, man. I love it. It's so good. Such a great gag. Oh, we need to talk about Ascension, though. Why is he? I don't smiling? know, man. The koala. <laughs> what does he know? Can I just say though a Ascension in this episode makes no sense. Why is that? Why do you think it makes no sense? Well, I mean, like, so he spends all this time faking Ascension, right? He's not even really trying. He's just doing bullshit things. Right. And in the end, he finally ascends for shit that people do all the time in Star Trek. If being selfless is all it takes... Then everyone would have ascended? It's like a common Starfleet trait. Jesus. Yeah. You, you got a point. I think it takes a certain level of assholishness and redemption. Mm. Yeah, you got to make the turn, right? You got to you got to get turned back to the light. You got to get you got to do the uh, the heel turn for the koala to notice you. <laughs> That's exactly right. Why is it taking so long? Why is it taking so, so long? It hurts. <laughs> oh man, I love it. Million different directions that could have gone, but like. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the horrificness of it all was just fantastic. Yeah, why does it hurt when you sense? I, I guess we'll never know. Well, they can always <laughs> revisit it. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Well, next up, we've got episode five of season one. It's called Cupid's Errant Arrow. And oh, we're going boy. to be drinking a drink called Cupid. So stand by for that. Coming up next. Coming up next. A little bit of Cupid. Rhymes with stupid. Got vodka and bringing back your cherry liqueur and egg whites. Hopefully, we don't all get salmonella. All right, here we're back. Let's talk about the Cupid drink. What'd you think? Well, it's not as slimy as I expected. 
with all the egg white in there. Yeah, didn't really get the the fizziness that they were saying you should get. No. It was really kind of just like a very uh, consistent grossness. All the egg whites was making it gross. I didn't yeah. really like it. I don't know if like I just am not sh- doing the the shake right maybe in the in the shaker well, that's supposed to get like the froth I yeah the froth. yeah that's that's what i mean didn't really get the the frothiness yeah the flavor though was was okay i mean it's it's really the only thing carrying the flavor is the cherry liqueur yeah. you couldn't really taste the egg whites yeah i put i put some uh some raspberry powder in there as suggested and without the foam it just sinks to the bottom and stuck to the bottom of my glass and it was not that good Um, (laughs) it's not a good experience yeah so i don't know if i can recommend this one but i mean it uses the cherry liqueur so i can't i can't hate it too hard i guess i I heard you're a big fan of the cherry liqueur (laughs) it was uh written on the bathroom wall oh good that's a good thing to be on the bathroom wall (laughs) let's talk about uh episode five cupid's errant arrow uh, the funniest thing, like we we're, were just watching this, and when the little parasite goes, lover, 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 I had not realized he said that before, and it was amazing. I that's like the highlight of the episode. I don't know how you get that. Like I don't know. I did not realize it before, but it, ah, it, it's uh, amazing. It was pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> we did confirm there's no way that is street corn on yeah, Jet's lapel. On Jet. Filthy yeah. liar. We all know he got uh, demoted sometime <laughs> he got demoted. between this yeah. episode. And hilariously, they when they drop the Bradward's uh, first name and then Mariner, all she does is call Boimler Bradward the entire rest of the episode. That was pretty great, too. I didn't realize that, but we're watching with the subtitles on. That helps a little bit. Yeah. Oh, man. This, this whole episode is mildly hilarious. I love how, like, in the initial <laughs> tour of the Vancouver the captain's going on and on about how much better it is than the Cerritos. And it's, it's like, the same shit. it's all the same sets on the interior. I know. One day you'll get to be on an awesome ship like the Vancouver. It's the Take same it shit. all in. It's the same <laughs> set. I love it. Oh, also the debut of the T-88s, which are like tricorders except better and can do everything for some reason. Yeah, like what is the T-88 supposed to be? It, it seems like a one like a one device does all tricorder replacement. That's the only thing I can think of. And I also want one, so there is that. Well, you know what I think it goes back to the like old Star Trek, you know, in the eighties and nineties where like they always have some random device and they're just like shining a does light everything. on yeah, various yeah. internal components and it's like <laughs> what are you even doing there? Like I mean, <laughs> What does that device even do? Are you just... Yeah. Are they all solar powered, but you didn't realize that they're all inside boxes? So, you know, you routinely have to go in and spray them with sunlight? Or what's the deal here, people? <laughs> Unclear. And it's... I mean, and that just leads to the, our, my next comment, which is that why is Tendi doing, like, engineering jobs in this episode? She's, like, in Jeffrey's tubes with Rutherford, like, in, in putting out fires and under, you know, under control panels and stuff. Yeah. What's happening? Like, the entire episode. And it's one thing, like, after she's all, like, kicked to uh, general science, that would, you know, maybe there, there's a wider variety of stuff she would be involved with engineering-wise. But, like, right now, she's, like, a, a medical person. She's, like, yeah. a like a like nurse a or a doctor basically. or something. Yeah. I, I feel like that would be me running into a hospital and saying, You there! My car needs an oil change! And a nurse being, Right away, sir! Like, what, what is that about? Come on. Here's a device that will help you. It's that good. 
All around good. I, I'm glad I'm picking up new stuff. Lover, lover, lover. I don't best. know how you missed that. That was just <laughs> such a hilarious moment. Yeah, it's pretty good. Poor, poor Bradward. He needs a uh, a girlfriend that loves him for him. And as we've talked about before, Mariner is not that person. So let's not I'm even chase that. Finally on board I don't want. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, I definitely love the protectionism shown here, and like the fact that they both bond over how weird Boimler is, and then she's never heard from again. Well, you know, there's always another season. Yeah, Vancouver probably ran into some kind of dangerous shit, and she's she's dead. Wow, that's a little dark there, buddy. (laughs) You uh, you doing okay? That's how we roll. Do you need uh, to the show? Apparently, do you need to talk? You need you need going through some dark times. Maybe I do. Yeah, maybe I do. (laughs) Well, I mean, find somebody else because you know. Fine. (laughs) Oh man! All right. Well, our next uh, our next episode is episode six, uh, Terminal Provocations. And we are going to be drinking a Guinan Fizz. That's on page 36. I don't have any cucumber slices because cucumbers yeah. are terrible. So yeah, They are terrible. I'll, I think we'll have to go without cucumber slices. Yeah, I think one. I'm going to skip that one. Yeah. But we'll, we'll, we'll figure something out. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it does. I don't know. We'll find out. Indeed. All right. Next episode. Or, you know, whatever. Something. Something. Whatever. Yes. <laughs> All right, that was Terminal Provocations, but let's talk about the Guinan Fizz first. By the way, we totally forgot to mention what page that's on. That's on page 36. If you're yeah, you friggin' knob. Get your but shit you think together. what you think of the drink? Jesus. It, you didn't do the cucumber. <laughs> I did not. I mean, what I kind know, I have of one job, freaking huh? filthy hobo would eat cucumber? That's the only explanation I could make, is you're starving, and the only <laughs> thing you have to eat is cucumber. Cucumber is terrible. Yeah. Cucumber is terrible, but the funny thing is when I went to mix this drink, I realized my wife did buy some cucumbers, so I totally added some cucumber to this one. So, you know what? I had I had a little cucumber just to make the book-accurate uh, guide and fizz. What would you think of the drink? I went a little overboard on the fizziness, added a little okay. bit of extra sparkling water, and you know what? I liked it. It was pretty good. Yeah, it was tasty. But it was I mean, surprising. the reality is it's just gin and lemon juice. Yeah. Like, I like the, uh, the syrup, but mostly yeah. the syrup is just consistency rather than just consistency, flavor. consistency, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, if you don't like lemon juice and uh, gin, then what are you doing drinking cocktails, man? Uh, you know, some people have problems. <laughs> well, let's move on to the episode then. So, uh, you know, the debut of Badgie, I think, is the highlight of this episode. Okay, dude. What whatever floats your uh, boat, man. I guess if you're a Badgie fan, weirdo. <laughs> Some people are really into Badgie, and there's a lot of blood. Like yeah. if he like tears people's heads off and like Badgie is breaks super arms. Dark. I do not <laughs> remember him being that bad. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and like there's like the neck breaking at the end. I oh mean, my god! Yeah, there's the lots of violence. Badgie is, oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is a, uh, I mean, he does come back later, so there is a lot of badgie to be had still, but he he, he is a little dark. Yeah, definitely yeah, dark. definitely. But you know what, moving on to the elephant in the room. Okay. What is, is Starbase 80? It's a place where you don't want to be assigned, I guess. Um, apparently, like, has this shown up anywhere else in Trek, or is this like the only reference? I think this has got to be the only time. 
I like it the in that scene, the Messal scene, where the Doctor Tana is like, "You you don't want to work on Starbase CD." There's just some guys like, "Ooh, Starbase CD." <laughs> like yeah, and like everybody has the, the same like gasp, right? They're like, "Yeah," and it's all like, <laughs> "Yeah, it's so good." Oh man, like if we do not get to see Starbase eighty at some point, I'm going to be super disappointed. Yeah, what's so disappointing? This isn't going to be like Station Ops, where we eventually see it, and I'm disappointed. This is the Mm. reverse. Where not seeing it (laughs) will disappoint me. Maybe they'll drop by in the next season or something like that. Could be. Uh, But you know, speaking of Badgie in the uh, Holodeck simulation, uh, I think this is the genesis of Tenderford. This is, uh, they got the little cute little romantic moment when they get the. uh, You know, is all like, oh, Teddy is so cute. And it's like, uh, come on, man. She's so cute. So, you know what? I, I, I am going to let this relationship slide in my <laughs> no relationships policy. Yeah. But at least this one has build up and makes a little bit more sense. They're, they're both two halves of the same coin, unlike Mariner yeah. and Boimler. Yes, that's true. That's true. I, yeah, Mariner Bundler, I think, do not need to be a thing, but I think Tendi and Rutherford do need to be a thing. And they, you can see it start. It's, it's very, it kind of hits you over the head with it now that I think about it. Yeah, like, I don't know how I never noticed this. I guess you don't. I was just really caught up in my uh, Rutherford. <laughs> <laughs> at least Ruther, at least uh, Billups gets some lines in this episode. Like, he's on the bridge for some reason during one of the scenes. Is he on the bridge? That? I think he's actually yeah. in engineering, but it's just like a cutaway Oh, he's in engineering to too, yes. Yeah. I think it's the last episode he's also on the bridge where he's like, they can't, they have to destroy the moon. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe yeah. we should watch this a couple voice sober lines. so you know we actually <laughs> notice what's going no. on. No, no, um, that's maybe. that sounds like yeah. chops. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, the other relationship Genesis is we see is Shax and Dr. Tana on the bridge. Yeah, they have the first kiss. kiss. Was yeah. this intentional or was more. this just like a throwaway gag, right? It's got to be intentional. Man. I don't know. Like they they come back to it later, and I think it might have been throwaway at the time, and then they just come back to it later. Yeah, I think you're right Maybe. about that, but I could be wrong. Yeah, this this show has a history of like having throwaway characters and gags, and then they just come back to it later for some reason. So. But I mean, like that's just it. You don't know. Are they throwaway, or was this always intentional that they would do more with these things? Yeah, but Unclear. speaking of throwaway gags. What is the deal of lower deckers with curly hair turning out to be jackasses? Just, just uh, what's his face, Fletcher, in this episode? Well, does does Mariner, Mariner has curly hair too, though? No, I. Well, I mean, she Doesn't does, she? but like, I don't know. It's it's a different kind of curly. Yeah, but like, it's that that haircut, that short, like, um, I don't even know what to call it, like the pseudo white afro. But mm. like, so. It, it happens with Fletcher in this episode, and then it happens again later with Ensign Casey, who also shows up uh, in this episode yeah. on the bridge. You're totally right. That's right. So now the question becomes, is there anyone else that I'm forgetting? Is this yeah, going to be a hair, trend? Also a jerk. I don't know. I'll have to pay attention for that. Uh, yeah, you better I watch for that. Because yeah, I'm not. Two for two. I, white guys with uh, curly hair. Yeah, out to white guys with curly hair. You gotta watch out for them. <laughs> I think that the uh, the showrunners are trying to send us a message. I think so. I think you're right. One other thing I wanted to point out, the the callback to the sarcastic Vulcan salute, we both noticed it this time, where Mariner and Boimler are having a moment towards the end of the episode, and they both do like a little like chest bump with the, with the sarcastic yeah, Vulcan salute. Yeah, it's not salute. even like the full sarcastic salute, right? Where you do the two <laughs> hands. 
Yeah, no, it's not and the, the whole thing. body gesture, but it's like the yeah. uh, the peace out gesture. <laughs> Only yeah, in this case, yeah, it's yeah. the Vulcan salute. Like, what is going on there? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm here for it. I didn't realize it was such like a. It, it comes back like that. So. Yeah. So the question is, I mean, obviously, we're still only on season one. Does this keep happening yeah. throughout the rest of I don't the know. series? Yeah, I, I hope know. so. If, if we need to. I hope so too. We need to continue to drink booze and uh, watch this show and see if it pops back in. I, I will say though, uh, moving on from the uh, sarcastic Vulcan salute, which we all love, right? I do have a kind of <laughs> ick hot take. Oh, Rutherford abusing his children. Jesus, yes. that was a little. That dark. was bad. You know? What yeah, I, I can kind of see why Badgie flies yeah. off the handle there. Kinda, he like kind of side with nuts. Badgie now. Yeah. That yeah. yeah. I gotta, I gotta agree. He gets a little frustrated and like kicks him right in the junk. But and... you know, maybe there should be some sort of blocks on um, uh, <laughs> holodecks that prevent holodeck <laughs> characters from becoming sentient, being abused. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, by too, this yeah. point in the timeline, it's happened enough to where like some programmer would be like, "Okay, we're gonna install a it. basic subroutine. If <laughs> sentient, then." <laughs> you know erase program or something yeah i mean even more so like we need to have like it, this has got to be reported to the uh, avian counselor guy like if you got like starfleet officers coming to the holodeck and just like abusing holodeck characters because they can they've got some some deep-seated issues here man well i don't think he abused him just because he can when your uh computer is behaving weirdly so you give it a quick kick to you know re-trigger yeah. the connections but in this case, yeah. it's like a sentient being, so it gets a little darker. Right. Either way, I mean that was that was uncalled for, and he even says that, you know he he regrets it. But yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely some abuse going on there. Come on, Rutherford, get it together. You know, and my my final thing here is the the zero G spacesuit training and how to use yeah. uh, suits, whatever you know, systems yeah. for for a right. spacewalk. And right. Rutherford's all like, ah, oh, it's easy. You just, you know, float in magnet. Float in magnet. Right. And I'm like, I think Amos would disagree with you. Oh, wait. Yeah, I feel I like that, there's more to it. Mixing genres Cross here. Universes. Yeah, wrong, yeah, wrong series. My bad, my bad. Yeah, um, there's more to it than that, for sure. All right, well, let's uh, let's get ready for our next episode, Much Ado About Boiler. That's season one, episode seven. And we are going to be drinking a Sumerian Sunset. Uh, that's right. on page 125 yes. of Star Trek Cocktails. So Indeed. Get ready for that. Bringing back the orange juice and lime juice. Oh, we're going to do the blue Caraco. Which, yeah, uh, I'm excited. Turns your insides blue. Yeah. What page is that I'm on? I'm excited. That's on 125. 125. All right. Let's do this thing. Let's go uh, make some drinks and watch an episode. Or not. You know, whatever floats your boat. I mean, I hope if you're watching, you like watching the show and drinking because that's kind of all we do. Okay, let's talk about much to do about Boimler, but first we have our drink, our Sumerian Sunset. What do you think about this beverage? I'm gonna give it an A plus uh, plus. I really like the uh, blue Caracal. Caraco? Caracal? Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce. Hard it. to argue with the blue Caracal. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, you Krakow. were you were a big fan, but I don't think it's the blue that draws it. It is definitely the flavor, mm. and of course, it brings it back lime juice. Flavor. I enjoy lime and anything and. Everything else is just a mix of juices and tequila, so. Yeah, I think this beverage is a lot about a lot about presentation. I mean, there's a lot of focus on 
like when to when you're making it, like when to mix and when to add the yes, it is a high process. So there is a lot of drink. focus on that. Yeah, high process drink. Yeah, definitely. totally. But I mean, it does have the fruit juice in there, so you know it gives the little tart tart flavor to it. Yeah. So I cannot argue with it. It's, it's not as sweet as a lot of the things we've been mixing. So yeah, I'm on board yeah. for that. It's got more of the tartness to it, yeah, instead of like the sweetness overload. Yep. So that's nice. Let's talk about the star of the show, which is obviously the dog, which is sentient, obviously, from the last scene that the dog is present in. It's not just a dog; it's uh, what Tendy think a dog thinks a dog's a dog is, which is a sentient uh, person, which can speak I, and, and all that. I feel like genetically creating from the ground up a sentient being would be a crime in the Federation. Yeah, like why is this like this, this why is this allowed? Fit with anything we've seen no. before. <laughs> Like WTF, right? Yeah, totally. And also, so the dog like kind of le- departs into the atmosphere. So did the dog escape the farm at the end, or is the dog still in the farm? Well, I mean, he said he liked it on the farm, so I'm assuming he's still there. Yeah, that's crazy. The dog is just—it's just a crazy, wacky character in general. So, which I can like also that turn that's into your a cube. focus of the episode, though. <laughs> <laughs> the genetically engineered dog. What the a plot about Mariner being a screw, being a screw up because she wants to be? Nah, that's well, garbage. I mean, the it's whole all about episode the dog. is just a callback to uh, Chain of Command, or it's just yeah, pure ridiculousness. Right. Though I gotta say, <laughs> Ramsey is no Jellico. No, Jellico man, he can captain my ship anytime. <laughs> you know, Jellico is one of those weird captains. I'm really off track here talking about Jellico, but you're totally right. Like Jellico, all he wanted to do was get the Enterprise in fighting shape yeah. and stop Picard's random lax attitudes about random things. Jellico so. is always the right track. Like, if he doesn't show up <laughs> on lower decks, I'm going to be disappointed. One of my favorite He's got to be on Admiral track by this time. Oh, yeah. You kidding me? I mean, like, he's probably running the 7th Fleet or some bullshit like that. <laughs> completely, completely. I mean, even, even at the end, he won over Riker, where Riker realized that he was wrong. That's right. And I think that That's says right. a lot, because if you manage to sway somebody's opinion after they've grown the beard, mm. you're clearly a person of character and intent. I think you're right. Yes. But, let I mean, that segues into Mariner's character development in this episode. I mean, as we've known by this point, Mariner is, you know, obviously just, like, faking being incompetent just so she can stay her own rank on this Cerritos. Oh, so we do get that here, but... Yeah, because she seems super incompetent throughout the first half yeah. of the episode. Yeah. It's only when it's revealed that It's she's... only until... Yeah, doing it intentionally. Right, yeah. And only until shit gets real does she really, like, bring her A-game, so... Yes. I mean, we've known this for a while, obviously, as we've been doing the show for a while there. You know, she's obviously trying to stay where she's at for some reason, some plot reason. But it definitely comes out in this episode. But, you know what? I, I want to talk more about Boy Me Up which is a key Boimler phrase that is coined in this episode. Does that and keep I think coming back later? Or is this the only episode where we get the boy me I, up? I think this is the only one, but I that, think he needs to sad. come back. Super sad. Yeah. I want more yeah. boy me up. It needs to be a thing. For sure. Even Mariner uses it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It needs to be a thing for sure. Oh, Poor yeah. Boimler. The episode, obviously full of callbacks, which is not uncommon for this series. But I do really yeah. have an interesting question. So the Edosian captain, obviously Edosian, Edo, Edosian. I don't yes. know. Yes, 
alien, something alien. Yes, yes, call back to the animated series where James yes. Doohan voiced the three-armed alien. Yeah, totally. Why does he inconsistently have a Scottish accent in this episode? Like, in some <laughs> scenes he does, and in other scenes he doesn't. What is going on here? I don't know. Why does an evil character... Is, is that, like, an evil thing? Is it like the Star Wars thing where, like, British people are evil? But in Star Trek, the, the Scottish people Well, I mean, are I think evil? you mean they real world right. thing where British people are evil. It's in there. Yeah, nature. I think you're right. Yeah, it's weird. It's just very weird and inconsistent, and I don't know what they're yeah. going for there. It's weird. It's also weird. Like, I love the um, the interesting... Like, they just flash up these things with the ship. The I think it's called the Ostler, where it's just going through, like, weird lightning storms, and that's just how it how it navigates, like... Well, I mean, random light you're, storm you're storm assuming that that's the case, and it's not just a matter of, hey, we're going to meet you on the edge of this nebula, because that's how nebulas work in Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I don't think that's, like, a, a default of the Osler. I think that's just a... Uh, hmm. where they were meeting it. Right. Okay. It could be. I want to know more about the Osler. It's definitely a uh, non-standard design. I definitely sure. don't care, but, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> You know, speaking of callbacks, let's talk about the uh, definitely not encounter at Farpoint jellyfish that the other ship, the Rubidoux, turns yeah. into at the end of the episodes. Too many. It's got to be inspired by that. Yeah, too yeah. many. It's got, it's got energy tentacles. Yeah, yeah. But it's too many. Too many. Yeah, but yeah. you know what? This this episode, like we said, is full of callbacks. You know, I don't know if they were going for that with the space pseudo jellyfish, but you've also got the callback right. to Threshold in the. Uh, Yes, he's got the lizard people. people there. Yeah, the salamander people. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like if I dug into it more, like more of the medical uh, oddities would uh, turn out to be references. Yeah, there, there, there's got to be more in there. There's a lot in the background. Like we pause, <laughs> we were looking at the uh, when they're on the the farm planet. There's like a random guy with a duck bill for some reason, yeah. which is completely nonsensical. Duck bill, and then you've got the pike chair people for some right. reason. Right, there's more than one for some reason. Yeah. yeah. I do want to <laughs> say, though, I do love the fact that, like, Boimler, like, all the rest of the freaks are like, ah, we're being taken to, you know, some horrible place to be, you know, hidden from sight from the rest of the Federation. And then it turns right. out that Boimler was right all along. Like, oh no, the Federation's <laughs> going to take care of you. What would normally be naivete turns out to be, no, this is just how the Federation True. is. Yeah. I love that. I love it. It's great. Yeah. I mean, you got to think though, those guys have been stuck on the ship for like months. So, yeah, you know, maybe they, they are justified in thinking they're not actually going anywhere, but they're proven wrong at the end. So Indeed. there's that. Yeah. No, I liked it uh, definitely great episode definitely great drink yes win win and win i think yeah but uh the next episode is one of my personal favorites for the show is uh season one episode eight veritas how can you not love one. veritas it's really good yeah, yeah sure. I, i'm fighting the urge to talk about it right now we'll get there and we're drinking a drink called buck's Fizzbin, which is on page 78 of star trek cocktails so yeah. Let's uh let's mix that up and talk about that episode. All right, let's do this ting. All right, that was episode eight, Veritas. But let's talk about the drink first. That was Buck's Fizzbin. What do you think of it? I mean, it's basically a mimosa. Like I don't know why it's Buck's Fizzbin. It Who is. F is Buck. Like, did <laughs> I miss an episode? I don't know. 
Was it in the episode where they introduced Fizbin? Is that Buck in there somewhere? I I'm have not sure. no idea. You know, We're too drunk care. to really understand. Yeah, you know, yeah. The, the drink, though, I mean, it, it's an old It was solid. Guy, so can't really complain. Yeah. It was, we were doing a lot of drinks tonight that is that have a lot of, like, fruit drink, like, base. Well, yeah, so there's you know, a lot that, of oranges that's for you. Smiling. I know you like to keep it fruity. <laughs> I do like to keep it fruity. That, that is true. You're not wrong about that. But it's hard to go wrong with this kind of drink, so yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue about that. So it was good. Yeah. So let's talk about Can't the episode. Totally. Uh, this is one of my favorite episodes of the entire show because it's basically a quintessential lower decks episode. I mean, they've got all of the lower deckers testifying in the um, in the not trial, um, and um, it's fucking great. There's just no way around it. Yeah, I don't know. Is it? Would you agree? Is this like the quintessential lower decks episode? I don't know if I agree with that, but it's definitely one of my favorites. I really love the storytelling, the the storytelling style of overlapping independent stories, and yeah. that is what this is. Yeah, totally. Uh, really loved it. One of my favorites. Yeah. One of my favorite parts is the uh, Rutherford implant restarts with the, uh, basically it seems like a lot like uh, you know, any any Windows update that I've ever, you know, everyone has the relatable Windows update that wants, forces you to restart at an inconvenient time. Fucking great, dude. Definitely uh, a good reason not to become a cyborg. Although I do want to say that this episode definitely leans into my whole Rutherford's implant is Romulan, yeah. not Vulcan conspiracy yeah. theory. Yeah. Totally. I mean, we're going to get more to that with season three once that that whole thing starts happening. But I mean, there's some question marks about Rutherford's implants, man. Like they can't, it, it can't be purely Vulcan, right? Well, I mean, it can. I mean, <laughs> it's just if you want to ignore all of the buildup, you can just make it Vulcan <laughs> and never address the issue. <laughs> That's true. Uh, one of the things I love about this watch through is we're getting like the random lines from random characters. So I think there's one line at one point where Billups is like, Oh, Tasha, the garbage bag's behind you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a skin of evil reference where Ar- uh, Armis oh, totally so looks like a garbage time, well, a why, garbage bag on it. Why is that Billups's memory? Like, why I don't is he know. saying that when he's delirious? <laughs> I don't know, but it's a great reference. He does. Armage definitely looks like a garbage bag, and we definitely we even get more Armage or Armage um, episodes Armus, uh, Armus. later. Or Armus, Armus. Say sorry. it right. I don't care how sorry you are. <laughs> Armus, yes, he totally does look like a garbage bag. So there is that. Yeah, but you know, there's tons of like really just stand out like bits, like the whole like fantastic racism. Tell that to Spock and Spock. <laughs> why is Shaq so racist Uh, well you know what I I suppose growing up in a war torn land will kind of skew your view of aliens that's true I can understand that but yeah you got that you got the whole they're scanning a bit they're scanning (laughs) again bit it's fantastic they're scanning yeah that joke is is still like one of the greats of the show solid solid joke yeah uh, today didn't have to end with the eels, even though it's a party. It's completely nonsensical, but also amazing. I love how nonsensical that is. <laughs> like, why were there eels? I don't know. I don't know. Today did not have to end with the eels, but and there they are. I do want to comment on something, though. 
Like, a lot of stuff gets beeped out throughout the episode. Yes. Like, you know... The- Robbie Like, the beeping makes <laughs> no best. sense. Like, from an no. audio standpoint. It's just like... <laughs> the beep is, like, way too long. There's nothing they were beeping out there. No. No. That's oh, that's the so joke, good. I think. And I do, I, do, I do raise one question, though, for the beeping. Okay. What right. was Dr. Ta'ana shaving that got beeped out? Oh, that's a great question. She has to shave it in preparation for a She's a cat person. She's a cat person. What is she saving? Her whole body is covered in 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 fur. Yeah, great question. And she shows up in the uh, beam of celebration. So what what is it that she shaved that is not visible? Indeed, indeed. Quite a question for the ages. That's kind of creepy. But let you know, let's move on. Let's let's move on to something else. Let's do it. Okay, so I want to talk about something that really bugged me in this episode. Okay. In the beginning, Mariner, when she's being questioned, is like, what map? I don't know what map you're talking about. But when they showed her memory, she clearly remembers the map. (laughs) What are you doing, um, Mariner? Yeah, it's right there being held by... You um, just told them about the map. Yeah. Oh, so It's not a focus of the episode. But, I mean, it does come up... It is a significant part of the episode later on, so there is that. Still bothers me. Yeah. Never going to stop bothering me. It's just... It's, it's, <laughs> it's a story flaw, and I'm very disappointed. Yeah. I understand. I understand. Don't patronize me! <laughs> <laughs> well, do you have anything else about this episode, or should we move on? Ah, uh, you know what? I do want to do one little reference here. Boimler okay. was apparently taking a pottery class. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that's um, a very TNG like uh, reference. Well, yeah, but then it comes up later when he tries to take a pottery class with Rutherford and Shax. Yeah, he straight up does. Yeah, yeah, and it does seems very unprepared class. for it. That's true. So yeah, it seems like he, yeah, like maybe the pottery class got delayed and then you know plot the hole. Rutherford I think it's Shax's. a plot hole, and uh, I, <laughs> I demand that the uh, producers address this issue. Address it. Okay, understood. I assume they were going to issue some type of correction at some point. I mean, or just apologize in general. Yeah. I mean. Okay. That would be enough, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, All right. <laughs> what are we watching next? Come on. <laughs> well, you know what? Next is season one, episode nine, Crisis Point. I'm excited about this one just because it's its own movie, basically. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's exciting. And we've got a, the drink to go along with it is a, dr- a drink called Discretion. Distress Call, um, that is on page ninety-eight of the Star Trek Cocktails book. So, yes. um, let's let's cue yeah. that drink up not, and that episode as well. Not sure about this one. We'll see how it turns out. All right, we just finished Crisis Point, uh, but let's talk about the drink first. The Distress Call. What did you think of it? You know, I don't get the name, but not not great. I hmm. mean. It was basically just sugar and vodka. Really the only yeah. flavor. Yeah, and there's some honey in there, too. Yeah, really yeah. the only flavor. I actually didn't have the honey to add to it, so I'm sure that did not help much. Yeah, I'm definitely not in the top ten of this season. Yeah, I mean, there's only ten, so there's that. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this to, to me, this is straight up just, just uh, vodka with sugar in it and with a little bit of lime flavor, so... yeah. Not a lot to talk about. Not, there, to not be great. Honest. Yeah, definitely regrets were had. Yeah, 
But not so much in the episode. Yeah, the episode was actually a lot better. I mean, this whole episode was about Mariner's therapy, basically, right? Like, she she hijacks the Boimler program to uh, kind of work out her own problems. I, I don't know. Do you have any knee-jerk reactions? Well, you know, I, I have said this about this episode. It is kind of iconic of Mariner's behavior is Boimler is desperately trying to achieve something. And Mariner hijacks right. his hard work for her own purposes, and uh, it, it right. happens over and over again. And it's it's really hard to uh, view Mariner as anything but a broken person in the context of these episodes. Completely, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we also get the uh, introduction of the um, the ship's counselor in this episode. And I can't uh, say he really has like the best introduction either. So insufferable. <laughs> With his uh, food analogies and What whatnot. is the whole, you're being like a pineapple? What does that even mean? Ugh. I, great question. This is awkward. My audio for the rest of our discussion on episode 9 got corrupted and lost. But worry not. Here is a selection of quotes from my co-host about the episode. Oh, look, it's Dime Store Gorn. Wait, so did Mariner just overthrow an entire planetary hierarchy? What the fuck's going on here? Effin' Miglimo, worst character in the series. Oh, wait, no, no, wait. Uh, Jet, Jet, second worst character in the series is Miglimo. Alright, we all know who number one is. It's Chet. Oh look! Mariner hijacking somebody else's mission for her own gratification. Mariner gonna Mariner. Jesus, she is awful. Okay, new hierarchy. Jet? 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 Mariner? Then Miglimo. Oh yeah, even Hollow Ransom is incomparable action hero. So the real question is, did Simulated Mariner save her mom because she loves her? Or out of some deep-seated egotistical narcissism where she believes she's the best and the only one who can do anything? But for the face coil, is, is that what they're calling it now? Jet goes straight up murderer just because Boimler tried to give the captain chocolate. Think that shows Jet is clearly the worst. I mean, this was all simulated based on their logs. I stand by my assessment. I said it before and I'll say it again. I love the fact that this entire episode is about Boimler trying to prepare for an interview. And Mariner Fs it up so badly that Freeman only commentary was that Boimler didn't even bother to prepare for the interview. Ah, just fantastic storytelling. Comedy gold. Comedy gold. Alright, we just finished No Small Parts, but let's talk about what we drank during this episode. I went back to the Vulcan Mind Meld, which I thought was the highlight of the drinks that we had from the book of uh, Star Trek Cocktails this time. But what did you have? 
Well, you know, I mean, I liked a little bit of everything we tried, so I decided to just make my own mixer. I grabbed a okay. uh, grabbed a little bit of the uh, blue Caraco, uh, some uh, gin, and poured in some lime juice and hibiscus uh, syrup. It was a pretty good mixer. I was very pleased with the way it came out. Awesome. Yeah. I actually included some raspberries because the Vulcan Mind Meld, per the book, um, has some raspberry mix-ins, and I added that in just to polish off the raspberries that I had, and um, it was quite good. Yeah. I can't complain. It turned out okay. It's still, it was, you know, a bit sweet, as a lot of the drinks that we've had in this, from this book, has have actually been, but um, I can't complain. Thumbs up. Can't go wrong with a little bit of vodka, a little bit of champagne. Indeed. So uh, let's talk about this uh, closing episode here. Yeah. So what did you think? There, you know the the actual start of the episode. I mean, we talked a little bit about uh, previously about the things going wrong with Badgie being super dark, and there's a little bit of start the start of this episode being super dark as well with the Solvang getting horribly destroyed by the Packlads. Yeah, like and there's a moment the where way. on the first watch through, I didn't even like. I don't know why I didn't register, but watching it now, I'm just like, oh, they're all dead. Yeah, yeah. all these people just died, right? Yeah, it's a right. little dark. Yeah, I mean, quite a way to start out the episode. I mean, this show is like, by and large, mostly, you know, comedic, you know, shenanigans. But every once in a while, there's a little bit of a deposit of the super dark content. So this is one of those times. We also got the introduction of Peanut Hamper, um, which is a horrible character. I, I'm a little bit, I'm still a little bit surprised that they went with this like weird dark character, like you know morally bankrupt character after the TNG episode with the uh, Exocomps on it. Did you? What are your thoughts on Peanut Hamper? Now? Well, I love Peanut Hamper's motivation, right? Where it's all like, oh, I only joined Starfleet to piss off my parents, and it's just like, right. <laughs> Oh, it takes this. Do, pa- do exocomps have parents? Very apparently they do. Yeah, it takes this very alien creature and just gives it very human, terrible human motivations. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's totally true. And then, uh, I mean, speaking of morally bankrupt people, I mean, rather the the episode straight up calls Rutherford a morally bankrupt genius at some point because he's greedy badgie. Uh, what a whole new. Uh, aspect to rutherford though i mean i don't talking agree about with that, that as a, is a creator of badgie yeah do not agree with that <laughs> you don't take. think so no. i mean badgie is obviously barley bankrupt badgie is terrible but it's well i guess it is kind of <laughs> rutherford's fault for abusing his child jesus rutherford's yeah. terrible i feel like he hides his uh kind of do-gooder you know exterior and he hides it behind his morally bankrupt core Oh my god! Just just putting that out there. Maybe you mean maybe he hides his Molly's cracked up to be. You mean he hides his morally bankrupt core behind his do-gooder <laughs> exterior? Yeah. Right, exactly. And man, I mean, talking about speaking of Rutherford, I mean, he gets his ass saved by Shax in this episode. Yeah, and you know, I mean, we all know that Shax comes back at you know during the next season, but. I mean, man, what a kicking junk that uh, Shaxx's sacrifice was in this episode. Yeah, you know, but uh, it definitely fits with what we've seen throughout the season. Fits with Shaxx's character and his relationship with Rutherford. And it has a good continuation in the next season, too. So 
a-okay in my book yeah i mean what a um development for shax's character in general you know it's one of those things like there's only 10 episodes in the season so we can only see so much for these like secondary characters which is like the the um senior staff for the cerritos but quite a uh, leap forward with shax's sacrifice here which just <laughs> makes it even more hilarious when he uh, comes back next season but it does a lot for uh, showing what he does for for rutherford here for sure yeah but you know what speaking of secondary characters i love the fact that at the start of the episode mariner is all like i don't even know who jen is and then at the end of the episode she's yelling at jen to shut up right <laughs> quite the she turnaround clearly, clearly knows who jen is yes yeah, totally <laughs> definitely sets up the uh, end of season two where she's uh getting it uh, on better footing with jen at the end of Indeed. that season so and then of course Indeed. we see the uh return of ensign casey as another background character yes. did not realize just how much he shows up in this season yeah he's one of those random characters that shows up in like very small like you gotta think like the voice actor Francis Casey's like wow I've got to like I've got lines this episode wow I'm so cool and then actually gets his own episode next season which is Indeed. something we'll get to eventually yeah yes. let's talk about the Titan showing up though like uh we've got the, t- the call back to TNG we've got Riker showing up I don't know do you have any knee jerk reactions at this point no I, I love all of Riker's appearances in this series and this uh, first appearance is just such a solid characterization for who he is in this series. Right. I just, I love it. I, just the over-the-top Rikerness. Yeah, I love his <laughs> like interactions with yeah. uh, Freeman. I love his recruiting of Boimler. I love his, uh, you know, his uh, make-it-so line. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny that now that we were watching with the... Um, the uh, subtitles on. He actually mispronounces Boimler's name in the first time he says oh, it. Oh, so. yeah, Boobler. Fantastic. <laughs> Boobler. Totally consistent with Boimler's character. So, Indeed. love to see it. All right. Well, anything else you want to see about uh, say about this uh, episode, uh, the season one episodes? Nope. Um, I do like the fact that we got another AIs can't be trusted episode. That is a theme <laughs> that continues throughout uh, multiple seasons. Totally. So, totally. Peanut Hamper is just uh, awful, so let's let's never do Peanut Hamper ever again. Well, we'll get another AI, <laughs> be Argamus, or, you know, the return of Badgie. Who knows? Indeed. 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 <laughs> oh, God. It's finally over. We finally finished season one! And we're, we're we're done. We're done. Wait, wait, what? Well, hold on. That was just season one. We have a whole other season to get to. What about season two? Done. We're done. And you know what? You can follow us on Twitter at Lower Dorks. Yeah, I mean, you need to get it. You need to get it together, man. That was that was just one season. You need to chill out a little bit. Oh, uh, you know, I cannot. And you know what? If you don't want to chill out, you can you can find Stavros. He he lives in San Jose. Go bother him. <laughs> wow. You know, San Jose is huge. You will never find me. 910 Saratoga Avenue, San Jose, California. 52129. Eat it. Uh, that 
That is definitely not my address. So that was that was not <laughs> your wife that just served me a grand slam. No, no, I'm afraid not. It was uh, that was a moon over Miami coming straight to my to my mouth instead. Oh, that actually explains volumes. It was super weird that you married a 16 year old. Yeah, that's actually uh, pretty illegal here. So I don't know about where what uh, Hodog state you live in, but uh... I live in a hovel in the desert, man. Come on. Yeah.